Hey everyone, back again. Today I'm going to present A.L. Wiseman's Lethal Theory, which explores the way that Israel mobilizes theory, specifically the work of Bitson, uh, Deleuze, Guattari, Lefebvre, to some extent, in order to conduct their military operations, their steady invasion of Palestinian territory. Now, before jumping into it, if you want to follow me anywhere other than here, you can find me on Instagram at theory underscore and underscore philosophy, or on Twitter at David Guigno. If you're new here, welcome, I'm David. I try to explain philosophical texts in a way that makes them accessible to you. So if you're new, like, share, subscribe, comment, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, and yeah, I want to highlight the subscribe part because I release videos sometimes twice a week for you to enjoy. So be sure to hit the subscribe button so you can be informed every time a new one comes out. And if you want to help me out monetarily, you can do that via Patreon or PayPal, but obviously no pressure. And, oh, one more thing, if you found this on YouTube, you'll be able to find it in podcast form pretty much anywhere where you get podcasts where there shouldn't be any ads, or if you found this in podcast form somehow, you'll be able to find me on YouTube as well where I sometimes release videos. And yeah, so don't waste any more of your time with that. Let's jump into this short essay that explores the ways that theory is used to conduct violent military operations. So he starts out by quoting a brigadier general of the Israeli Defense Forces, the IDF, who described his military operations of the IDF as an inverse geometry, which he defined as the reorganization of the urban syntax and by means of a series of micro-tactical actions. Now, he's specifically referring to the Israeli maneuvering and invasion of Nablus in 2002. Now, Nablus within... Um, Palestinian territory is kind of like a commercial and academic hub of of that territory and so it is very densely populated and many of the buildings are very close together like in any city. Now in order to approach this city this brigadier general describes this inverse geometry as the process of avoiding every designated means of movement like streets alleys, anything like that, and instead trying to find ways to move through the territory without drawing any possible attention. Now what this amounted to was essentially setting up localized explosives on walls or ceilings so that the Israeli military or tactical units could move through Palestinian civilian homes, which would often result in ca casualties, civilian ca casualties, or at the very least, severe trauma of having your wall suddenly blown out from next to you or your ceiling blown out or your floor, through which the Israeli um, tactical um, groups could move through and then conduct their operations and keep going without being seen by anybody, any kind of other militants within the city. Now, this essentially reframed what it meant to conduct warfare in relation to a city, whereas the city was something that would from one perspective, would be comprised of streets that would limit or determine your possible movement. And so the city provided its own kind of hindrances and its own affordances just by its kind of architectural setup. Now, with the way that they were conducting these kinds of operations, suddenly we see the city itself becoming a tool to be used against its own inhabitants because the city is only as good as the strength of the walls to a very um a very powerful enemy one that is able to conduct these kinds of operations on a minuscule scale but when they're done all across a city they're able to have what he comes to call a kind of swarm-like effect 
where you have all of these different tactical points being kind of penetrated, being used to inhabit and to better control the space that is being invaded, that is being militarized. Now, this is not just a, a, an Israeli tactic against Palestinian civilians and against pa Palestinian militants. It is also something used and tried to be undertaken all across the world. That is, there's a great deal of funding being spent by the military for its generals, for its troops, to have a better understanding of how to navigate a city. Now, this comes down to them learning a lot about architecture, which might seem kind of strange, but also a lot about philosophy, a lot about theory, specifically the work of Deleuze, Guattari, Debord, plus I mentioned other ones like Betson and, and so on, who speak about the ways in which cities are an amalgamation of various possible effects and are a combination of various rhizomatic possibilities, especially in the work of Deleuze and Guattari, which is to say that the city isn't anything on its own. It is just how it is being looked at. So if it is looked at in what I will just kind of brazenly say the traditional sense, then the streets are the ways that you move through it, and that's about it. And you would have to guide your kind of military uh, operations in accordance with those rules. But if you reframe the way that you see a city as not now what Deleuze and Guattari might call this kind of arborescent structure that is these very plain laid out structures like streets, but instead as rhizomatic, then suddenly walls start to disappear. Suddenly you say, well, if I go through this wall and then the preceding wall and then, or the following wall and then the following wall and following wall, I can get to the same place I was going to go in the first place. But now I've completely usurped the notion of the city itself. I have undone its kind of limitations in order to best, in order to overcome my enemy. So, for example, one IDF commander, Aviv Kukavi, studied philosophy in university, and Wiseman presents a number of examples of Israeli uh, combatants, Israeli military personnel who took a leave from university, sorry, who took a leave from the military in order to go to university to learn about these things, which they could then use to further their subordination of the Palestinian people. Now, if you're someone preparing for an invasion, like the Palestinian people in Nablus, what they were doing was very much preparing for that traditional kind of invasion, one that would look upon streets as the means of movement and so on, and they would set up traps, they would set up bombs, you know, makeshift very limited uh, potential weaponry because the Palestinian people don't have nearly the kind of resources that the Israeli side does. But in any case, they would set up these kinds of defenses that would be completely circumvented by the Israeli military and these tactical units moving through these unconventional ways through the city. Now, following this 2002 invasion of Nablus, a survey was conducted that found that after the operation, more than half of the Palestinians' homes were blown up or blown through, through their wall or ceiling or floor, which reveals just the extent to which these operations were conducted. Now, they were done in a way not necessarily to gain territory, not to, you know, completely annex that city, but instead to conduct what they called, and this was kind of their PR tactic, to execute precision assassinations and then leave. So you'd have these swarm-like tactical units go in, kill the people they wanted to kill, 
all the while injuring innumerable civilians, if not killing them along the way, kill the people who they want to kill, and then leave. Now, from the outside looking in, especially in the way that this is proffered up by various PR campaigns, it might seem as though this is a more gentle way to go about conducting warfare rather than shooting bombs, for example, when in fact this was proved to be a lot more devastating. I mean, half, more than half of the homes were destroyed, were severely damaged, and many civilians were killed. But it looks to be more quote-unquote humane because all of the damage is restricted to people's homes. So it's harder to pick this up on cameras, where if you have reporting agencies around, they can't necessarily see what's going on because that is exactly the logic, that is exactly the intent of these kinds of invasions, of these kind of tactical units, in that they are not going to be seen and the damage that they do are going is going to be so rhizomatic, it's going to be so separate, you know, it doesn't follow a specific plan, that it's going to be difficult to attribute a kind of singular narrative to it that can then be absorbed or kind of transmitted through uh, a mainstream media source or through a media source. Because if we've learned anything from many of these theorists, including De Ball, including uh, Adorno, including Baudrillard, you know, you have to abide by a certain logic in order for your message to be understood by the masses. And if it doesn't follow that logic, that is, if it doesn't lend itself to a very, you know, easily structured, banal, well, this event happened and this demonstrates uh, Israeli violence against Palestinian people, then it won't be aired and it won't be given the kind of attention it deserves. So this serves a dual function then. Not only are, is the IDF able to conduct these operations in a somewhat effective way, they're able to do so without garnering the attention that it very much deserves. So what we saw happen, or what happened on the part of the Israeli army, was that its units, its tactical units, and the specific military personnel that comprised them were turned into what Wiseman calls, and what the uh, various generals he interviewed calls, operational architects. Now, I would like to add to this that one of the effective elements of this approach is that it doesn't function through a kind of centralized guiding force, like with uh, oversight through a military organization or through a central hub. Rather, you have all of these tactical units that are essentially working of their own accord with, the similar, with a similar goal in mind, but because they are so atomized, that is, they're comprised of just a few people all across the city, and they are so atomized, it means that they have to adapt to very different situations in very quick and effective ways, which makes them all that much more pernicious. And it is for this reason that one of the philosophical branches and one of the theoretical branches that were taken up was that of cybernetics, that very much setting the stage for what we now know to be machine learning, that is machines coming in contact not with their own knowledge, but rather developing knowledge by its engagement, by its contact with the world. So too are these tactical units adapting to various situations in very quick ways in order to better their situation and to kind of throw the enemy off. Now, if we've learned anything from Deleuze and Guattari, it is that in the case of capitalism, which isn't necessarily related to this, but the way that they write about capitalism is that it deterritorializes with one hand what it re-territorializes with the other. Now, what, what am I saying? What, what do I mean about that? 
Well, the only way that these kind of nonlinear rhizomatic movements are really effective for the Israeli side is that they are un, kind of underwritten by a very arborescent structured base from which these tactics can emerge. So just on their own, these kinds of military tactics are not that effective because if you do not have the means to actually conduct them, which implies a kind of organization that implies the, I guess, accruement of various resources that make these operations possible, you are not going to be effective at actually conducting these types of operations. And it is for this reason that the Palestinian efforts that very much might mirror those efforts are not nearly as effective because they don't have nearly the same kind of resources, which would explain why more than 10 times uh, the casualties are found, civilian casualties are found on the Palestinian side than on the Israeli side. So this kind of arborescent structure that underwrites these rhizomatic move movements conducted by the IDF is quite simply the linear command of the West Bank in Gaza, which allows Israel to essentially mount these kinds of movements against uh, the Palestinian people. And because there is such an onslaught against the city, in many cases by the city, what we see is the dis kind of the disintegration of a distinction between soldier and citizen, where civilians are very much being attacked in ways that make it seem as though they're, they're soldiers. And indeed, this is the way that many of these violent, atrocious acts are justified because they civilians were soldiers, or at least that's what is told. And this kind of presents a sort of postmodern worldview, according to Wiseman, one that DeBoer speaks about in the dis disintegration of these kinds of categories, like the distinction between soldier and civilian, or in the way that the various walls are being destroyed. Now there's also the disintegration of the distinction as well between the private and the public, where at any point your private abode could be part of this public war, so-called so war effort, in order to further Israeli occupation over Palestinian territory and over Palestinian bodies. And with this end of privacy and the disintegration of the distinction between privacy and the public life, what we see is following the words of Hannah Arendt is the emergence of the social sphere, which is going to mark the end of democracy, because for her, it was necessary to maintain a space for yourself that is private in order for you to think, in order for you to develop the capacities to be an active engager within democracy and within society at large. So he finally, or finally, he concludes this by saying that the IDF, the Israeli Defensive Forces, would use theory, would use philosophy almost to give themselves a kind of superiority to make it seem as though they were more righteous in their efforts because they were inspired or motivated by you know these so-called civilized ways of looking at the world these highfalutin ideas or whatever and that more or less covers it uh this is obviously an incredibly charged text and one that today is very necessary to discuss especially in the ways that israel justifies its continued bombardment of the Palestinian people. Now, at the same time, it is very important to condemn all, any and all, efforts by anti-Semites to use the violence inflicted by Israel against the Palestinian people to justify an anti-Jewish agenda. And that is something that can very easily creep into political charges against Israel's foreign policy and against Israel's colonization of the Palestinian people. And that is very 
very important to keep on the back burner. And that more or less covers this complicated text and this, the complicated ideas that it's trying to convey. If you think I did anything wrong, I excluded anything I shouldn't have, or I mischaracterized anything that Wiseman was discussing, I'd love to hear about it. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts and you liked what you heard, leave five stars, leave a review. I read them. Uh, you know, I read everyone's comments. I don't have the time to respond to all of them because there's there are very many of them now and it's difficult for me to. But yeah, if you liked what you heard, like, share, tell your friends, who knows, you might have a friend that really wants to get into this stuff but doesn't know how. And uh, yeah, catch you next time.